From 2 Corinthians 13.13 13, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We are so glad that you are seeking God with us, and we pray that the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you. I am Brian Niebank, pastor of Zion United Church of Christ, Fireside, in Bellevue, Ohio. I thank you for joining us today as we seek to walk together with God, expressing our love in Bible study and prayer, living the life of the church, and serving others, and worshiping God. May God bless you today. Will you pray with me? Oh God, may the meditations and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Peter Lucky from Kansas wrote about a time that he went fly fishing with his friend in the Pack River in northern Idaho. He writes, We were fishing near a waterfall with a steep drop. I caught one small trout and then leapfrogged from rock to rock, climbing upstream. At the crest of the falls, I waded out into the river. The second I stepped with my left foot, I knew that I'd made an unfortunate choice. My feet flew out from under me on the slippery granite, then nothing. But at the base of the waterfall, the cold water startled me awake, and I crawled out of the river, panicked, panting, grasping at the rocks, drifting in and out of consciousness, waking again and again to the sound of roaring water. I was shivering. How long had I laid there? I wondered how did I even lose my balance? Did I misjudge the water's depth or the strength of the current? Hadn't I remembered that I was wading into a river at the crest of a waterfall? What if the water had not awoken me? I could have drowned, but he says, God drew me out of the deep water. Quoting the psalmist in Psalm 18, 16, he says, God rescued me. Being saved means being healed, rewoven into God's, into a relationship with God. And it is more than simply being given more time on this planet. What was I being saved for? What would this experience teach me? about what is next. I realize that I am vulnerable to nature, gravity, and mortality. But the Gospels teach me that such moments are the gateway to embracing our radical dependence on God. Thousands, even tens of thousands of black parents are afraid of what they have to teach their children. 
One such parent, Sophronica Scott, explains that her son is growing up in a time when it is not uncommon to see videos on the internet and the evening news of unarmed black Americans being shot and killed. She writes that I feel the need to affirm his attitude, but I also have to be real with him. I don't want Tane to become fearful and angry, but he also has to be aware, now that he's grown lanky and well past the six-foot mark, of how others might view him. His dark brown hair, once worn short and close-cropped, is now long and curly, topping his head like a soft cloud. It's the hair that we often talk about. Tane needs to understand the possible effects of having such hair, and I remind him to pull back the hood of his jacket from his head when we walk into a store. When he learns to drive, I will teach him how to behave during a police stop, how to keep his hands in view and make no sudden moves. Her question, I do not want to be a rigid flame of indignation, but I do not, I do not want my life to be weighed down by anger and hopelessness and resentment. How do I do that? Our book group has touched on what it means to find God in the ordinary. In short, whatever we are doing, wherever we are, God wants us to be in God wants to be involved in every aspect of our lives. If we are driving to work, God wants to be involved. If we are stuck behind a train, God wants to be involved. Where you are right now and whatever you are thinking about right now, whether it is directed here or somewhere else entirely, God wants to meet you in that place. God repeatedly met God's people throughout the Bible. Their most common response was surprise, telling God, why me? What is so special about me? Perhaps nothing except, as 1 John has told us in previous lessons this Easter season, we are children of God. That makes us special enough for God to want to meet us in whatever moment or place that we find ourselves in. The psalmist King David wrote Psalm 59, knowing that God noticed his enemies returning day after day and yet still seeking his life. Yet he had the courage to ask God to deliver him from his enemies, saying, You laugh at them, O Lord. You hold all the nations in derision. O my strength, I will watch for you. For you, my God, are my fortress. My God and God's steadfast love will meet me. My God will let me look in triumph upon my enemies. On Wednesday nights, we are studying the book of Ruth. And one of the first things we noticed in chapter 1 is that Naomi and Ruth are experiencing the worst kinds of suffering that we can imagine. Naomi has lost her husband and both of her sons. 
Ruth, Naomi's son's wife or daughter-in-law, has lost her husband and her father-in-law. Ruth is a Moabite. Naomi's son had met her in Moab because the family had fled there to escape the famine in Judah. Naomi believes that God is the reason for the suffering at first. Yet Ruth chooses to trust Naomi's God and follow her back to Judah, even especially after ten years spending time with her in Moab, traveling away from everything that Ruth had ever known. Eventually, Ruth's willingness to trust God and provide for Naomi helped Naomi's own faith. If they were able to lean on God in that extreme suffering, and God met them there and provided for them, God is willing to meet us in whatever circumstance we are in as well. Yes, God is even willing to meet us when we are blaming God for our troubles, like Naomi did. Whatever we feel, whoever it is directed toward, God calls for us to meet God in that moment. We sung what a friend we have in Jesus last week because Jesus has promised to be our ever-present friend. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. We may be guilty of asking God when all things will be set right in the world. On the day that Jesus was taken into heaven, which we call Ascension Day, the disciples asked that same question. When will God set things right in the world? While staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, Jesus said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? But he replied, It is not for you to know the time or the periods that the Father has set by God's own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. So Jesus takes the easy way out. It is not for us to know. We wonder if he even knew at that time before he had ascended to the Father. But what he did tell us was that we can know what is next. Our Easter series has applied the question that was faced that very first Easter to what we are doing today. Now what? We have learned to live with this pandemic and perhaps we are still learning. We are also still learning how to be an Easter people. We are praying for God to make us more loving 
as we seek to understand and be the church, as we feel that Easter calls us to be. Jesus gave us the Great Commission, as recorded in Matthew 28, where we are called as disciples to share the good news to the ends of the earth. This call is repeated in Acts 1. Yet before we are to know anything about when justice will be served, and when the world will be made right or restored to God's kingdom, we are called to do two things. First, expect the Holy Spirit to come upon us not many days from now. The Holy Spirit will not work in our lives if we do not expect it to come. After all, only those who were waiting and expecting the Messiah to come even recognized that he was here. We will study how we understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our Christian lives in the Pentecost weeks ahead. But for now, expect something amazing to be revealed to you, even if you do not understand what it is. It has been promised to us. The disciples most likely had less of a clue about this spirit than we do today. We are only told that we will be given a mysterious power when we receive the Holy Spirit. And the second call that we are given is the call to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem was the very place that that had tried and crucified Jesus, but they were called to minister there anyway. They would have to be trained to have the strength and courage to respond well when they encountered a police stop, or when the Pharisees, who were teachers of the law, and the Sadducees, who had, to, who had a deal with the Romans that they would keep the peace in Jerusalem, felt that they had gone too far. So when the Pharisees and the Sadducees felt that, that the disciples had gone too far, they wanted to be prepared for that and keep being witnesses anyway in Jerusalem. And further, although Judah was home, Samaria was a land of foreigners, definitely non-Jews, which may have instilled a bit of fear in the disciples when faced with the thought of going there. Then to expand that region to beyond the territories that they were familiar with, to the ends of the earth, must have seemed overwhelming and confusing to them at that time. They didn't have as good of transportation as we have today either, so it would take them ages to make that mission possible. But what this said, what Jesus said here, is that Jesus is not just for the Jews. And the disciples were faced with an enormous task and extensive traveling, and they had a lot of unknown and frightening prospects ahead of them with this call. Like Ruth, traveling to an unknown land, they had to learn to trust their faith, 
wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them and trust Jesus, whom they had come to rely on so much? Like Peter Lucky, perhaps they felt like they were in deep water, but God was drawing them out for a purpose. Perhaps we still find ourselves looking into heaven, waiting for answers, staring at the spot where Jesus had disappeared. Perhaps we need two men in white robes to ask us, why do you stand looking up into heaven? As an Easter people, we miss Jesus being with us. But as an Easter people, we are called to work on spreading the gospel. Through this Easter season, we have learned through the examples of those who have walked this faith journey before us. We have learned that we are vulnerable. But at least for now, we are still here and God wants to use us. To do that, allow God to reserve a block in your schedule to meet with you. Be accepting of the gift of the Holy Spirit so that you might have the power and strength to resist the influence of evil on your mind. When you ask yourself or the world, how can I not feel angry, hopeless, and resentful as I live here and see what I see? Perhaps you now can have an answer. Because God is with me, the Spirit is with me. And Jesus is still present, even when he feels absent from the world as we know it. Even though little has really been set right, Jesus promises to come back and serve justice. Even though we feel scared and alone at times, the most important thing we can teach our children and those around us is that God wants to be our friend and we can find God wherever we are in the loss of a spouse, in the threat of violence or even death, and even between the face of evil itself and you. Despite what you may feel now, Jesus does not need to remain socially distant from us. Jesus is part of our family unit. He is a close friend. The disciples missed being with Jesus in person, just like we have missed being with our friends in person during these last 14 months. Jesus, to them, was a close friend. It was very hard to lose him. Yet they experienced his absence, but they were also taught to experience his presence in a new way. It is not what they expected or wanted. But when they asked, now what? They were given an answer. The presence of Jesus through the strength and power of the Holy Spirit would guide them in their mission of Easter. They were to wait expectantly 
for this gift to come upon them in only a few days. Let us wait with them. With this power, we ascend to new heights. So thanks be to God, and amen. As we live in this world, we need to be reminded that Jesus is always here with us. So let us sing our middle hymn as we turn to Jesus, who is present with us. It is Jesus is always there, found in our purple hymnal, number 220. Thank you for joining us here at Zion United Church of Christ Fireside in Bellevue, Ohio. If you would like to reach out to us, we would be thrilled to journey with you on your walk with God. Call us at 419-483-6658 in the United States. Reach out to us on our Facebook page or send us an email at zionunited at gmail.com with any prayer requests or questions you may have. Remember to make time for God and confess Jesus as your way to God to give you hope in this life. May you be blessed by God and be a blessing for another. We hope to see you again.